0: Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz.
1: Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and you're joining us for what will be our final episode of the season. And of course, as always, I'm joined by my trusty sidekick and partner in crime and all those wonderful adjectives that you want to use to describe him, Mr. Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going?
0: You know, it's been a tough weekend for me. I'm battling a bit of a head cold, losing my voice, but uh, what's perhaps more intriguing is the fact that we're at the final week of the regular season for, for football, and where did the season go?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It did. It went fast. And I really wish that I could also say that I had a good um, week slash Christmas. Unfortunately, as you know, some of our listeners may know, some may not. Um, my wife and I had to put our dog of 11 years, Fang, down on Christmas Eve. So it's been pretty sad around the Gallo household um, this weekend. So, But we have to go, you know, move forward, move on. We've got some good memories, and that's what we have to Put in our, you know, heads to move forward. So, and then you're working on a cold. That's never fun. But we're here for our listeners, and we would be. Um, I don't know what's the word I want to use. We wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't have the news queued up for them. So I'm going to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz podcast news.
0: Thank you, Steve. Major injuries were the story of the week as two of the top young quarterbacks in the AFC, Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota, both sustained fractured fibulas, ending their seasons and delivering death knells to their team's chances of making any sort of progress in the playoffs. The Titans were mathematically eliminated later in the day, but Oakland has secured a place in the playoffs. Of course, with career-stiff Matt McGloin at quarterback, Oakland may just want to save themselves the embarrassment, skip the game, and start packing their bags for Vegas. (laughs) Carlos Hyde also sustained a major injury when he tore his MCL. It remains to be seen if Duan Harris or Sean Drone will pick up the slack for Week 17. What is for certain is that these two together might normally produce half of a typical Carlos Hyde total line if they were facing a mediocre defense. Against the Seattle Seahawks, those two are more likely to perform like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> Tampa running back Doug Martin was benched for last week's game because his coach Dirk Cutter thought that Jaquiz Rogers was a better fit for the matchup. Yeah, Dirk, Jaquiz Rogers was a better fit for the matchup. But don't be surprised when Doug Martin decides that Rogers is a better fit for next week's game. I also think that Dirk needs to not be surprised when Doug Martin decides that he is a better fit for another organization next season. (laughs) Tyler Eifert's abbreviated season got even more abbreviated as he was placed on IR today with a back injury. It is too bad that he suffered this injury because he had actually developed into a reliable every-week touchdown producer. That said, he wasn't doing a ton outside of the red zone. So I guess we will need to look elsewhere for our weekly three-catch, 30-yard, one-touchdown stat line. (laughs) And finally, Mark Ingram dominated the touches in the New Orleans backfield and even scored twice last week. So we here at the BPN News Network feel safe in calling that he will be a Coach's Decision Healthy Scratch next week. This has been your BPN News Update.
1: So true. You just know that Peyton's looking for a way to screw fantasy owners and everybody else out there, right?
0: You know, I I managed to fit Tim Hightower into one of my lineups instead of Thomas this week. I'm not bitter. No, not at all.
1: Okay. So suffice it to say, I... Did not see much football at all this weekend, unfortunately. Um, Got to watch one game. That was the Sunday night game. And for the most part, that's all. So what we're going to do is... It was a
0: fun game to watch.
1: That it was. And it was actually a little bit of a release that I needed, and it was cathartic in a way. Um, So it's good to have a little bit of normalcy back. But um, it's just going to take time. But anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to move into, just for our listeners, we're going to move into DFS, and we're going to do our, you know pay-ups, stay-aways, and value plays with Harley, and I'll comment on them. And then we will give you our top 10 wide receivers. And as a bonus, Harley's going to talk tight ends when we're all done, and then we'll wrap the week up. Wish you the best. Wish you the best, you know, 2017. Put 2016 in our rear view and move forward to next year.
0: So Start getting ready for the draft.
1: Absolutely. With that said, Mr. Schultz, where are we with a pay-up player (coughs) at quarterback for you this week?
0: Well, this week there are a lot of good options to pay up for at quarterback. so I'm just going to start right at the very top of the price scale, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers proved last week that even against a very good defense, he could light it up. He is really in fuego right now. This game is going to be indoors, so weather won't be a factor. It's in prime time where Rodgers loves to play, and it's for all the marbles with the division on the line. Rodgers is going to step up and have a huge game against Detroit.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't disagree with that, especially if Detroit wins tonight when they play Dallas. They'll have sewn up a playoff spot, I believe. Not the division, but a playoff spot. So they may not have as much to play for as Green Bay would. So Well, when,
0: Detroit hasn't won the division in a long time, so I think they'll be playing yeah. full go no matter what.
1: Yeah, but depending on the score and how game flow goes, I could see that you backpedal quick, possibly. So I like, to, I like to pick. Who are you staying away from?
0: The only one of the expensive quarterbacks I don't really care for this week is Andrew Luck against Jacksonville. Uh, luck has been pretty hot recently, but Jacksonville has been stingy against the pass recently. Only once, that being last week, in their last six games, have they allowed more than one passing touchdown.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Quarterback has really gone back and forth over the past few weeks where they were all bad, they were all good, they're all bad, they're all good type scene. And so, yeah, it is hard to find a, a poor play in the high dollars. And it's even a push or a stretch, I should say, calling Luck a higher-priced player at $6,700. So I can see that, though. So who's the value play? What have we got it as a value?
0: Well, uh, I'm going to go with Tom Savage versus Tennessee. Tennessee has allowed multiple passing touchdowns in eight of their last ten games. They've allowed 300 yards passing in six of those games. So uh, Tom Savage has looked okay uh, filling in for Brock Osweiler. And if there's ever a team that he could take advantage of being okay against, it's Tennessee's secondary.
1: So let me get this straight. You are going with Tom Savage as your value play, not Mac McGloin against Denver in Denver.
0: I think that's probably a safe bet.
1: See, that's the cutting-edge kind of stuff we bring our listeners to save them from their own devices so they can make money in DFS. All right, let's move it to the running back position. What do you got at running back?
0: Uh, How can you not pay up for Le'Veon Bell? He finally cracked the 10 K barrier joining only Antonio Brown earlier this year. And David Johnson a couple weeks ago as the only players to crack that mark this year, but he's red hot. He's facing Cleveland. You've got the best running back in the league versus the worst defense in the league at stopping running backs. I I didn't update the stats through this week's game, but going into last week's game, they were giving up over 160 total yards per game to opposing running backs. And that's roughly what Bell has been averaging this year. So, you're looking at 160 combo yards. You're probably looking at seven or eight catches. And you know Bell's going to get in the end zone at least once there.
1: Yeah, it's hard hard to argue with that. Um, quite honestly, I mean, just look to what he did this weekend against one of the better. The best run defense yeah, in football. Exactly. I mean, and I don't know, but you tell me if I'm crazy or not. But is he not the most patient runner you've seen in God knows how long?
0: Some of those cuts looked like precision there, and yeah. we're talking surgical cuts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw him make a few four yard gains that were just absolutely amazing. I mean, they should have been one and two yard losses, and he turned them into four yard gains that just it was mesmerizing. So, okay, so reminds Bell reminds
0: me of a young running back by the name of Eric Dickerson a few years ago.
1: Yeah, there you go. Dickerson was a treat. So, we're we, we like Bell. Who do we dislike this week? Who are we staying away from?
0: You know, uh. This guy actually had a decent game against them in the last time he faced them, but uh, I'm going to stay away from Jay Ajahi versus New England. Now, he's piled up some big yards against bad run defenses thanks to a very good offensive line, but he won't get the chance to pile up a ton of yards this game because Miami's going to be playing from behind most of the game, which means that they're going to have to accumulate their yards uh, behind the arm of Mr. Matt Moore.
1: I, can, I like that call. Of course, Melvin Gordon, there's no way I would touch him just based on the injury report. And then I'd be worried about Zeke Elliott too, just because at some point they're going to rest some guys. So they're not going to get the full, they're going to play. They're just not going to get the full compliment and he's not going to put him at risk. So it's, it might be tough to see return on value from a guy like Zeke also.
0: It'll be an interesting dynamic with Zeke since he is chasing that rookie running back record. This, how much of a short leash he'll yep. be given by Jason Garrett.
1: He better get it this week. Um, okay. Who are you going to, st- who's the value play?
0: I'm going to take a bit of a shot in the dark here with Charkandrick West. Uh, San Diego's run defense is not, it's only four times all year have they not allowed a running back rushing touchdown. Uh, Spencer Ware missed most of the second half of last night's game due to a rib injury. He was scheduled for an MRI today, but they haven't gotten results back yet. But if Ware is limited, and it sounds like he probably will be, then West will be the benefactor.
1: That's not, bad. That's not a bad call, especially at that price. I'll tell you, a guy just looking at the list that I like at the same price. Did we lose you, Steve? No, I'm here. You probably just think you lost me. Um, I like Chris Ivory at $4,100, too, facing the Indianapolis Colts defense, which is none to scare anybody.
0: Well, and Yeldon missed most of uh, last week's game, too, so another situation where opportunity could arise there for Ivory.
1: Yep. Okay, so let's move the wide receiver.
0: Well, you know, I'm uh, picking on Cleveland at running back. I'm going to pick at Cleveland at wide receiver, too. You've got Antonio Brown uh, at home, where Ben Roethlisberger performs much better. Uh, Cleveland very well might be without Joe Hayden, who is their only even moderately competent cornerback. Take him out of the equation, and Antonio Brown should have a feast.
1: So I guess you're expecting a Cleveland Browns um, hangover after that great win they had in week fift- Week 16.
0: Let's put it this way. I would not bet money on Cleveland making it two in a row.
1: Probably a safe bet. I I will tell you this. Um, As I just said earlier, we lost our dog. My wife is a Browns fan. Okay? So we kind of feel like there was some divine intervention there, that they got their first win the same day that, you know, we had to put our dog down, and my wife kind of feels like dogs up there looking out for her and wanted to give her a parting gift for Christmas.
0: A little win one for the Gipper moment, huh?
1: Yep, pretty much. So we we know we're going to pencil Brown in. Who are you going to avoid this week?
0: You know, there wasn't a ton that I really disliked, but I'm going to go with Odell Beckham. Uh, He's going to lock horns with Josh Norman. And Josh Norman and Odell Beckham have a history of not liking each other at all. Uh, This game here, uh, it's going to be in Washington, so I, I think that gives a slight edge to Norman. Norman psychologically can get into Odell Beckham's head, and when Odell Beckham gets in his own head, he has problems. So when someone else gets in Odell Beckham's head, he even has more problems. And uh, that's the type of scenario where I think that Beckham could struggle.
1: Well, and the other thing I think that goes against OBJ is the fact that the Giants have a playoff spot wrapped up. I think they're pretty locked into their, their seed also. So if that's the case, yeah. how much are they going to put Odell out? And I believe there's a chance for some bad weather next week in Washington. The game got flexed to 425. Um, Washington needs that game a hell of a lot more than the Giants do. So that puts a cap on Beckham's upside in my eyes too. So who's your value play?
0: Again, I'm going to go for the stars here because again, it's week 17. Doesn't really matter from your year-long league where your championship was probably last week, but from daily fantasy standpoint, you want to identify those one-in-a-million plays, and my one-in-a-million play this week is going to be Paul Richardson at San Francisco. Right now it looks like Richardson will step into the starting role that was previously occupied by Tyler Lockett, who also broke both his fibula and his tibia, uh, making what looked to be a miraculous touchdown catch yesterday that was later deemed a non-touchdown. But uh, Lockett obviously done for the year. Richardson steps in. He's been a favorite of Russell Wilson's in the past, and I think he's going to have a very good day for a league minimum.
1: Yeah, $3,400 on DraftKings, hard to pass up. Guy I like, too, a little bit. He's priced a little bit more at $4,600. Marquise Lee who's coming off a very good game, gets to face a not-so-threatening Colts defense, which there could be a lot of points in that game possibly. So, But, yep, so that's what you got for your value play. And let's guess we need to move into tight end to finish things up.
0: Well, you know, at tight end, I'm going to pay up for the best tight end in football right now, and that's Travis Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey, since week eight, Jordy Nelson is the only player in the NFL with more receiving yards than Travis Kelsey.
1: Yeah, he's a beast. He really is. He is. He is he, he's
0: probably he probably knocked me out of a championship game uh, last night, but. Uh, I, I could not cheer for him against the hated Denver Broncos.
1: He helped to solidify a consolation <clears throat> championship win for me. Um, but he is truly baby Gronk. Gronk Kelsky, as we coined the phrase a couple of years ago for him. So who's your stay away guy?
0: It, it's still got to be Jordan Reed. He's still not 100%. The Giants have only allowed three tight end touchdowns all season. It, it's just it's you said Washington needs the game more than the Giants. Yep. So I think Reed will try to tough it out and pr- try to play, but y- you've got a guy like Vernon Davis there that can be a satisfactory fill-in. I-, I just think that Washington would be smart to let Reed continue to rest and get ready for the playoffs.
1: Okay. So now your value play, is that going to be Travis Kelsey also?
0: Oh, God, I wish so. Because his price tag isn't that bad. His price tag is that of a third-tier receiver, yeah, which is just ridiculous. Uh, but I'm going to go for the value play that I kind of rolled with last week and got burned a little bit by because, uh, well, a lot of people listen, uh, follow us on Twitter, re- realized uh, early Sunday that uh, Ladarius Green, or Saturday, Ladarius Green wouldn't play due to a concussion. So I was pimping Jesse James, the outlaw. And uh, what happens in the first series is ben, uh, ben Roethlisberger leads the team down the field and throws a touchdown pass to Xavier Grimble which everyone predicted, of course. Uh, but Jesse James, still at the league minimum. Uh, Green has a history of concussions, so there's no guarantee he's going to play this week. It, and I, if I'm Pittsburgh again, same thing. You're in the playoffs already. Yep. Let him rest. Jesse James, adequate fill-in player earlier in the season. Cleveland has given up the most tight end touchdowns, including four over the last three weeks. Easy play for me at 3000
1: bucks. So... What about Mr. Gates? Do you think that they're able to? They're going to try and force feed him this weekend to to get him two more TDs.
0: They have to, but Kansas City is the right. toughest team to score against with the opposing tight end. So it's kind of like uh, you're, the whole immovable force, uh, yeah. immovable object. I can never get that part right, but uh, those two things coming together where. Yeah, you know, Rivers is going to try to force it, and if he does, that can only help Kansas City's defense.
1: That's true. And I'll be honest with you, I was shocked when I did one of the things I did see in the box score was the fact that um, Tyrell Williams got a one-yard touchdown. I'm shocked that they would throw anything inside the 20 to anybody but Gates in the end zone.
0: I don't know. I kind of like Tyrell Williams for that role. He can do the, uh, He's one of those taller receivers who can kind of do that corner fade thing.
1: I don't doubt that. But, I mean, if you're just trying to get Gates the the record, though, that's all.
0: Well, maybe they should have thought about that when they are throwing those seven touchdowns to Hunter Henry earlier this year.
1: Yeah, but then again, they are the Chargers for a reason. So, anyway, we we really should have did tight ends before wide receivers, went wide receivers, and then segued into our top ten wide receivers for 2017. But, hey, you know what? We screwed that up. So, that's our segue. 2017, wide receivers. What are we looking at? You want to go first?
0: I'll let you go first since I talked a lot in that last segment.
1: Yeah, let your, go ahead, sip on some tea and get that voice ready. Well, I'm going to say that this is a lesson in futility because the receiver is so deep, and there's so many moving parts that you know. a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, how do you place him? Because he's a UFA. You don't know where he's going to wind up. You would have to think that whoever lands his services is going to want to use him. Um, so he was somebody that was very close to making my cut, but didn't it eventually make it. Um, I'll go first and foremost. I'm going Antonio Brown. I mean, if you look at the year he's had this year, some people would say it's disappointing. Yet he's still the number one wide receiver. And I don't want to say it's you know by landslide, but you're looking at you know he's got almost a twenty point almost a twenty point lead on the second place wide receiver, and he had a bad year. So I think he's a lock at number one. At two, I like OBJ. Um, I think that you're going to be, you know, what's the word, mincing something or whatever. I don't know what the saying is, but it's going to be the top four or five. You're going to be able to say any order you want, and it's all debatable. At number three, Mike Evans. My concern with Evans is that Tampa adds a legitimate second wide receiver that could take some looks away from him, but I think that he's still going to be a, tar- a target monster in 2017, and he's got massive touchdown upside. At number four, this is probably going to be my first – um, reach in some people's eyes. But I'm going with Doug Baldwin. Now, Doug Baldwin currently sits as the number eight wide receiver in PPR scoring. Number eight. I've got him at four. And that's in weekly point-per-game average. and total points, where are we looking at with him? He's number six. And Russ Wilson was not himself for, what, two months this year? So I think we've got some upside with, with Baldwin. At five, I'm going with Julio Jones. And what keeps him in that lower end of that first tier is the fact that they just don't seem to like to use him in the red zone, and he's got a slight injury history. So that's why I've got Julio at five. At six, A.J. Green, which is going to return great value for people to get him that late. At seven, I'm going with probably another reach in many people's eyes. But I've got Michael Thomas of the Saints. He's currently the 11th highest-scoring wide receiver, and I can only see him getting better with another year, and I'm pretty sure that we've got Drew Brees for one more year, so... With that said, I think he makes a leap into the top 10 next year. At number eight, I'm going with a guy that you'll probably get at a discount because of a poor, poor, poor 2016. But Gus Bradley's gone, so I think the new coach, whether it be Doug Marone, which I doubt um, that they bring in, is going to find a way to feature Allen Robinson, move him around like they did last week, and we'll see a return to the top 10 for Mr. Robinson. At nine and 10, I've got two teammates. And I kind of feel like one of them should be a little bit higher But I wanted to get them both into my top 10. They're playing arguably with probably one of the best young quarterbacks in the league that, because of a defense, will have to throw the ball a lot again. And that's T.Y. Hilton at 9 and Dante Moncrief um, at 10. And Moncrief just has immense upside due to the touchdowns that I think he's going to be able to add.
0: You know, uh, I can't disagree with any of the players you named. In fact, a couple of the players that you named that weren't on my top 10 were just outside of my top 10. Uh, Most notably, Mike Thomas, who I had ranked at number 11, and Doug Baldwin, who I ranked at number 13. I do like both of them. I think they're both in good situations going forward with stable quarterback potential there. I know there's been some rumors about Drew Brees possibly and Sean Payton going and taking their talents to L.A., but uh, that's just rumors right now. So until we see that actually happen, I think that uh, Thomas and Brandon Cooks, for that matter, Uh, Both have a chance to be big performers there next year. The main reason I didn't rank Thomas in my top ten is because I'm still concerned about uh, the fact that there are the other weapons there to feed as well. Uh, For my top ten, though, uh, Brown, still number one. Uh, Point per receptions, uh, obviously, he's not having as huge of a season as previous years, but he's still the consensus number one player at that position. I I have Mike Evans, number two. the, the amount of targets he gets might go down next season, but I still love him there. Uh, Julio Jones, number three, uh, he gets to face three soft defenses against the pass twice each year. Uh, that, that's, that's more than enough right there to make him worthy of a top three or four pick. I put Odell, number four. Uh, I think that this was obviously a down year for him by his standards, but uh, he was still scoring touchdowns at an every other game pace, which is... Good enough to break my top five. Uh, number five is actually Jordy Nelson, someone that didn't make your list, I don't believe I. He yeah. showed this year that once he was healthy, that him and Aaron Rodgers still have a huge rapport. Obviously, Rodgers is not the same Rodgers he was two years ago. But Jordy is making up for it by being the same Jordy that he was two years ago. Uh, I put T.Y. at number six. Much the same reasons you did. I think he's a great receiver. Great young quarterback. Great situation. Plays all uh, eight of his games indoors. Uh, my first surprise comes in at number seven where I have Tyreek Hill. We have just seen Tyree Kill kind of peek his head around the corner. And by the time you notice him peeking his head around the corner, he's already in the end zone. You missed him. Too bad. Too late. Don't sit on Tyreek Hill next year because he is going to be a huge producer week in and week out because, frankly, there is not a single player in the NFL that can catch him in the open field. Number eight, I've got A.J. Green. I think he's going to have a comeback year. Uh, The injuries obviously dogged him the last half of the season here, but he was starting really, really well. Uh, Number nine is going to be a slight reach for me is Des Bryant. I think he's going to have a comeback year next year. Uh, again, kind of down a little bit this year, but another year of familiarity with Dak Prescott. <clears throat> and number ten, my real comeback player for next year, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was off to a very, very good first quarter this year <laughs> before getting hurt. <laughs> and if you think back to, uh, he had a very, very good uh, start to last season before getting hurt. So. If Keenan Allen can manage to stay healthy for more than half a game, he's going to be worthy of a top 10 wide receiver production next season.
1: I love guys for what it's worth. I love guys like Keenan Allen that people tend to discredit. They're going to call him injury prone. And you're going to get him at a value. There's, of course, a little risk. The value offsets some of that. Um, But it, it happens even more so on the IDP side of the ball where you can get great, great, great value on guys that were injured or old or something like that. So.
0: Ellen's the type of guy that you can get in round six next year. Sammy Watkins is another one of those similar guys. Yeah, you can be get those guys in round six, and they're going to produce wide receiver one numbers for you.
1: And I love the Tyreek Hill call. And he is—I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody as efficient as he has been with you know his touches. I actually wanted to call him One Touch Tyreek after last the week before his game. And um, my only concern is. Will Andy be consistent to get him involved in the offensive game plan? That's my biggest concern with him.
0: Well, you know, if Andy can find a way to get Ontario Poe involved in the game plan, I think he can find room for Tyreek Hill.
1: You know, that was just, that was awesome. I did see that. That made my night. Um, fat man passing touchdown. You got a little shot. fat
0: man touchdown, but fat man passing touchdown. No,
1: I'm going to,
0: and it's not Jared Lorenzen either. I, I'm
1: going to make a few people angry probably because I'm sure we have some Steeler fans. But the post game interview, that I heard him talking, or maybe it was Twitter. I I don't know where it was, but I heard somebody say he he's probably the first 300 plus pound man to throw a touchdown pass. And I said, well, Ben Roethlisberger's thrown touchdown passes.
0: Yep, That's Roethlisberger a, and Lorenzen actually has a couple of passing touchdowns
1: in the yeah. NFL, too. Well, Lorenzen is over 300 pounds, but Roethl- Roethlisberger isn't, so it was just a dig on him. Well, he's got to be pretty close, isn't he? Well, the two heaviest um, quarterbacks to throw touchdowns outside of Poe, from what I saw, would have been—oh, um, his name just escaped me in Oakland, Jamarcus Russell. Oh, Jamarcus Russell, yeah. And, <laughs> at, like, I think 266, they said, or something like that, and then Dante Culpepper at 265.
0: Yeah, his was almost all muscle.
1: Yeah, Dante was a freak till he got hurt. He really was. He's Cam yes, Newton, he was. He's Cam Newton before, <coughs> before Cam Newton. Um, except I think he might have got calls that Cam doesn't get, but that's beside the point. Well, look, um, I guess we should have you add, your. you're the tight end whisperer, so let's let you add some tight end stuff before we wrap this up for the year.
0: Well, so again, I mean, every week it seemed like I was able to divine a great DFS play at tight end. Mainly by looking at matchups and uh, for my obvious some of my weaker calls at some of the other positions this year, I have almost been one hundred percent this year at predicting my tight end sleepers so I've decided to go ahead and rank my top ten tight ends for next year as well let's hear i'm going to go ahead and give the number one slot to Travis Kelsey uh, that offense can only get better and he's going to be a featured part of that for the future he is moved to the top of the tight end class with Six 100-yard performances in his last eight games. Number two is the oft-injured but touchdown-dependent Tyler Eifert, who has been scoring touchdown at roughly a rate of one per game since his rookie season. He's also missed roughly four or five games each of those years too. So, if you can deal with the loss of loss of gameplay from him, he, he's a touchdown machine. Number three, Greg Olson. Uh, Olson has been a reception machine since his uh, coming up with Chicago X number of years ago. Since joining Carolina, he's really morphed into the perfect possession tight end. He's leading the tight ends in all receptions, but he's behind, obviously, Kelsey and Yardage. Uh, fourth, Rob Gronkowski, based on potential alone. Uh, Gronk is no longer a first round pick. I don't think anyone can take that risk with his injury history, but you can get Rob Gronkowski in round three or round four. And when he plays, he's going to score a touchdown pretty much every game. Number five is another injury risk. And that's Jordan Reed. Uh, we've seen Reed miss a few games here with uh, shoulder and arm problems late in the season. But, uh, again, he's the same thing when he's on the field, he's going to score for you. If Kirk Cousins comes back, I think that Reed has a monster season next year. If Cousins doesn't return to Washington, I think that hurts his value tremendously. Number six, Cameron Bright. Bright is among the league leaders in tight end touchdowns right now. He scored again uh, yesterday before leaving the game with a back injury. Uh, I kind of wish he would have stayed in there because I've got some shares of him in daily and I was looking for another touchdown out of him. Uh, but he is going to be one to watch next year. Uh, Next spot's Delaney Walker. Uh, Delaney has always been a great possession receiver. PPR leagues have loved him, but the last couple of years with Marcus Mariota at quarterback, uh, they've developed a nice rapport in the red zone as well, making Walker not only a PPR option, but also a scoring option. Behind him I've got Jimmy Graham, who resurrected his career this season in Seattle. He's still got a few rusty bolts to shake off, but He's good enough to still make the top 10 easily uh, based on his touchdown potential alone, as he showed last uh, last night in his game, where he broke away and scored a touchdown on what would have been a tough tackle of most other players. Number nine, I've got the rookie from San Diego, Hunter Henry. Uh, Gates, assumedly, is done after this year, assuming he gets the record t- uh, next week. And if Gates is gone, that means it's Henry's time. He got seven touchdowns already this year. Uh, all of Gates' touches will go his way next year. And number 10, uh, another target hog, and that's in Philadelphia, that's Zach Ertz. Uh, Much like two years ago in the second half of the season with uh, Sam Bradford at quarterback, Ertz was a huge target hog the last half of the season. This year, Ertz has been a huge target hog with Carson Wentz at the helm. Uh, One more year of comfort between the two of them keeps him in the top 10 at tight end.
1: So a question for you. If Philly lands Elshon Jeffrey, what's that do to Ertz?
0: Uh, you know, I think Philly is going to land Elshon Jeffrey and I don't think it's going to hurt Ertz at all. I think it's going to help Ertz. Yeah. Because right now, they really don't have a lot of options to throw to And Green Beckham has, has done really nothing since they brought him on board. Jordan Matthews has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, he's kind of a possession guy at best. Elshon at least will stretch the field.
1: Yeah, and, and as far as Olsen goes, I probably would have flipped him with Eifert just based on the The injury history, Um, and I believe that Olsen set the record, too, for the first tight end to have three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons this year.
0: I think that just happened, actually, yes.
1: Yeah. So, uh, And, yeah, any time that you've got Gronk pushed down the four, which, of course, injury history, that could be good, that could be bad. Um, It's just you don't know what's going to happen. Back injuries are tough. They flare up, and he's he's had other nicks and dings. Uh, Unfortunately, he's not the Gronk of two, three years ago. So I believe
0: this is the third surgery he's had on the same injury. Yeah,
1: so and I've as somebody that's had back fusion I can tell you it's not fun. Um but I think we see here tight end is extremely deep again. So yes. they're they're probably I mean you're not going to get Kelsey at the discount that you got him at this year. That's for sure people will overdraft him and that'll make me angry. Cause I like Kelsey and I've had him each of the past few years. So next year, probably be the first I won't get him, but the positions deep enough in my eyes that you don't have to reach the same with wide receiver. I think wide receivers deep also, um, when I can not put a guy like Jordy Nelson in my top 10, because I think Devonte Adams is going to steal a little bit from him, maybe a healthy Cobb, et cetera. Um, and then I don't have Tyreek Hill, and I don't have Dez, and I don't have Keenan Allen in my top ten.
0: Okay, a couple guys we didn't even mention in the wide receiver conversation, uh, Tyrell Williams, yeah, Terrell Pryor, Amari Cooper,
1: yep, Michael Kravitz Jarvis too. Landry. yep,
0: Parker. Four guys that could easily break into the top ten and so deep.
1: Yep. So I think that what we're going to see is we're going to see a flip next year. We're going to see people try to hammer running back quick and hard. Um, I did that this year had I made a – better selection in the first couple of rounds, it would have worked out better for me. Uh, did grab Le'Veon Bell in round one because I missed David Johnson by one pick in one league. That hurt. Um, went with Adrian Peterson in the second round. And that's what killed me. I could have went, you know, Zeke because he was available and then picked up Bell coming back. Um, but I think you'll see people, they're going to want to hammer that running back position early. So I think there's three clear cut running backs in round one. Mm-hmm. I think you can go top two wide receivers. So I think that, Probably the best spot in the draft is going to be four or five, honestly, and let the draft come to you that first round. But we'll see; things will be fluid. And you know what? When that happens next year, we'll be here to talk about it in advance to get people ready for it. So, with that, we're going to call it a year, um, Harley. It's been great. I think I lost Harley. I'm not sure. I'm trying to talk to see if he responds. I'm still here. Okay, um, I'm still here. <laughs> it's been it's been a good year. Uh, I wish you a great, you know. New Year's Eve, be safe, don't drink too much all that good stuff, same to our listeners um, be sure to follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. you can follow me at Steve Gallup <coughs> NFL and of course you can always check us out on iTunes of course feel free to rate us and review us and until next year get blitz responsible cheers